Welcome to a belated episode of Balling in the Six. This is your Toronto Raptors podcast straight out of London and today we have a mammoth six games to discuss. It didn't start so well but safe to say that with five wins on the trot it just grew better and better. Let's get straight into it. seems like years ago now that Jeremy Lamb decided to just throw a speculative shot up from around 60 feet. Pascal Siakam was guarding him and I think at this stage it was safe to say that all Toronto Raptors fans were just about to get up, were about to switch off their TV, were about to leave the stadium and then something quite magical happened from a Charlotte Hornets perspective. From 60 feet out, Jeremy Lamb managed to nail a buzzer-beater three-pointer that would condemn the Raptors to their second loss on the trot. This was a surprise. I mean, the Raptors didn't play well throughout the Charlotte game, but to be beaten in such a way, in all honesty, it's probably the way you want to be beaten because you just can't do anything about that. They defended the last play well. They were two points up, of course. Defended the last play well with the score at 114-112. Siakam tipped the ball out, went over the halfway line, and Lamb's throw up was nothing but a prayer. And credit to the Charlotte Hornets, they haven't done so well since, but that game really gave them the chance to progress further and make the playoffs. And someone like Kemba Walker does deserve to make the playoffs. He's a phenomenal player, he carries that franchise. He's got a few role players helping him. We've seen, you know, the likes of well, to be honest, we haven't really seen anyone in Charlotte. He's doing it all on his own there. But credit to them, and although it wasn't a fantastic game, Leonard really carried the side with 28 points, 9 rebounds. Gasol played well, he was a playmaker in that. Uh, the side just wasn't shooting well, didn't take the, didn't shoot well from the charity stripe either. So you can kind of chalk that one off, not really as a calendar loss, but just, just as one of those freaks of nature. Think back to the Sacramento Kings game and the Terrence Ross Ghost 3 much as that causes PTSD in many people's minds. So the Raptors decided then to brush this result off with a few wins, a few wins that we don't need to really go that deeply into. First one was Chicago, 112-103. We then went to New York and demolished them by 25 points, 117-92. to What was quite noticeable in these games is the performance of two people. These were Norman Powell, and Serge Ibaka. Now, Serge Ibaka, we've talked about before, we've expected. He's not only stepped up the game before the All-Star break, but also after Marc Gasol came in. He's had someone to compete with at the five spot. Not someone like Greg Monroe, and all respect to him, but if you've got someone to compete with, you automatically up your game, especially if you're set to share minutes on the court. He'd done that. He took eight... Re- He's been our lead rebounder in four of the last five games. Ibaka, one of the things he's not really known for is rebounding, you know. He's a fantastic defender, he can shoot the three, he's very very clutch from mid-range, but rebounding's not his strength, and if he carries on like this, it'll be a very tough choice for Nick Nurse. In When it comes to playoff time, I know it's matchup based, but if you've got someone who they can guard equally well, it'll be especially difficult. And then there's Norman Powell. So what we need to talk about here is the potential playoff rotation. Of course, the games are ticking down. 
we've only got at the time of recording three regular season games to go and quite frankly Nick Nurse really needs to decide on something we've been experimenting all season whether it be bringing in new players betting them in bringing in players like even players like Jody Meek Jeremy Lin on short term contracts in order to test them out see if they can crack the lineup. But now Nick Nurse needs to choose an eight or nine man lineup for the Toronto Raptors. So we all know the starting five. It's gonna be Kyle Lowry, Danny Green, who's been money from three, it's gonna be Kawhi Leonard, it's gonna be Pascal Siakam, and I think it's confirmed it is going to be Gasol, Mark Gasol. And we've talked about his perhaps lack of production when it comes to the box score, but as again he's really really shown his true credentials when it comes to being a playmaker itself we actually spoke to josh lewenberg who's a toronto raptors reporter for tsn he told us that starting like that's the starting lineup he said then there's three lock-ins after it's going to be fred van vliet who actually has put in some performances with puts him in contention for six man of the year it's going to be OG Ananubi, who hasn't really progressed from last year, but is still versatile enough a defender, still good enough on that end of the floor to guarantee some minutes in playoff time. And of course, the man of the moment, Serge Ibaka. The ninth spot, however, will be shared. It's going to be shared, he says, between Norman Powell, Jeremy Lin and Patrick McCaw. McCaw, we know, has some brilliant playoff experience. He's already shown his defensive credentials during the regular season and he's, pr- he's a proven veteran. Jeremy Lin, meanwhile, has not had the greatest of times since he came to the since he came to the franchise. He's not shot it that well. He's shown weaknesses with turnovers. And you kind of wonder, what does he produce? He shows up against the weaker teams at home, but we'd expect that. In my opinion, he's not good enough to make that playoff rotation unless he shows me something special in the next three games. It is that ninth spot time deserves to be shared between Norman Powell and Patrick McCall. We've talked about Patrick McCall, let's talk about Norman Powell. He has stepped it up in the last 10 games or so. He was top scorer against Chicago with 20. He's hitting double figures constantly now. He's shooting well and he's really showing going back to that athleticism, which is why we gave him a four-year, 42 million contract in the first place. If he can keep that up, in fact, I think he deserves to be in there over OG. I think OG deserves to share the minute, share the ninth spot with McCall just down to recent performances. Uh, Powell is one who can pretty much guard any position from one to three, even one to four in some cases. And he really brings that energy off the court. It's a cliche thing, the hype man bringing the energy, but it's what Terence Ross used to do, and it's what Norman Powell provides now. We then had a couple of games. We had another game against Chicago and another phenomenal performance from Serge Ibaka. Um, he would score 23 and grab 12 rebounds. Orlando was an interesting one. It was a little bit tighter, but as again, we had Danny Green to thank. And while our three-point percentage was 22nd back in January, Danny Green and the like have really stepped it up. He scored 29 points this game, including seven threes. And while with regards to floor spacing, it's definitely something that we need to come playoff time. Yesterday's game... Thursday the April the 4th was against the Brooklyn Nets. This would actually be a test. It's away at a playoff hunting side. One of our potential playoff matchups. 
and I think we dealt with it extremely well. We had Kawhi and Siakam, who are becoming our two main men in terms of point scorers, delivering quickly. And by the way, who would have thought you'd said that last year with Lowry and DeRozan in the franchise? Siakam and Kawhi delivering on the points front. We also had Ibaka, who, when Danny Green had a bit of an off night, he shot five from five from three. And I think one thing we need to highlight is Gasol's contribution. He got six assists, which may not sound that much, but he's been our top top assist maker on a lot of occasions. And with or without Lowry, he is someone else to go to. He can pass out pass out the post. He can shoot the three now. We've seen him. And quite frankly, I think he's integral to the more fluid offense that we've seen in the last few games. So with that said, with five games, one out of the last six, and, you know, would have been six of six had it not been from a freak of nature, I think that's a brilliant time to wrap up the Toronto Raptors Raptors section of this podcast. Let's look at the rest of the NBA with our guest podcaster. In a week of quite middling NBA games when the likes of Giannis, likes of Kawhi are all being rested as playoff spots are being decided, there hasn't really been that much drama, at least compared to a usual week in such a entertaining league. However, we did see one game that probably piqued the interest of fans all over, and that was Golden State Warriors against Minnesota Timberwolves. Now, these are two teams that we haven't mentioned all that often, and that's quite rare for us not to mention a team like Golden State, who, I mean, I guess, is it just because they're the favourites? Has everyone forgotten about them? Are they actually a team that's now slept on? To discuss this, we'll have... D2, still D2 player, basketball player, Farrell. Farrell, welcome to Balling in the Six. What's up, people? I'm coming from beautiful Sheffield this week. Um, uh, that's from... actually where Nick Nurse used to used to coach, actually. Nick Nurse did record a wonderful podcast with Wodge, and uh, he actually coached a lot of British basketball teams. Uh, I'm sorry, like, who is Nick Nurse? I told you there's no more blasphemy from you on this podcast. Oh no! Oh no! I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry to say his name in vain. I I genuinely I don't think I've heard of the guy. All right, let's just move on quite swiftly. He's the <laughs> coach who's going to whip, whip whip the league's asses. Come come, mate. That's all we know. So okay, okay. The so aside from that, get so well. Are we kind of is no one talking about the Warriors just because we know what they can do and nothing's changed? And is that to their detriment? I think part of the reason is that. They've had a mixed bag of results, but it hasn't also been anything to get too worried about. So they'll maybe go on a three-game win streak, lose a game against a one of the better teams in the Western Conference. So they haven't gone on any like you know very impressive win streaks or worrying losing streaks. Maybe that's why they've kind of flown under the radar. Well, they had they had one extremely expressive, uh, extremely impressive win streak from 6th of January to the 29th when they won 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 11 games in a row, I believe. But that you're right, that's their only significant win streak as such. Right, right. And even, I, I get the standards that we expect from them are such that even when we see 11 wins, we just, you know, as a casual NBA fan, you know, it's like, ah, it's not, you know, 20 plus wins. Um, I, I think maybe it's because so much is expected of them. And, Perhaps you could argue it's been a slight disappointment of the season. Maybe 
not the case with some of the injuries that they've had with Steph going out. I don't know. How do you see it? I see it as they're always a team that step it up in playoffs. And so whenever it's obviously nice, for example, when the Raptors end up beating the Warriors as they did twice this season, we swept them. But that doesn't make a difference. It's like beating LeBron in the regular season. You just know when it comes playoff time, Steve Kerr and the gang are going to step it up. So it's really, I think I think they are now just a team to be ignored in regular season. Of course, this might be their mm. last season with, you know, the big, well, the big five now with um, rumors of Clay and the even Kevin yeah. moving. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah they're, they're a team just to turn on in playoffs. And so as soon as, as soon as they tip off in the postseason, I think that's when that's when the league starts paying attention, and rightfully so. And I think the biggest thing is their defense, because I think in this regular season, it's been the worst defense. So um, in terms of NBA history, um, no team who's gone on to win the championship has had as bad a defense in the regular season as the Warriors have this season. But this is the Warriors. This is the postseason team. Oh, you know, that, I think that's, that's the point I was going on to make. When it comes to defense, like, people still argue, like, a big aspect of it is intensity. And when you do watch this Warriors team in the regular season, versus when you see them in the playoffs, they strangled their opponents. When they played Cleveland in last year's playoffs, it was the Warriors had so many open baskets versus Cleveland. Every single basket seemed as if LeBron was having to get his entire, you know, energy just to force something. So. Yeah, I think uh, the intensity will go up. You'll see Draymond and KD, they'll work out their weird bromance when it comes to playoffs. And a winning team tends to, you know, smooth over any sort of uh, friction that any individuals may have. So I agree with you. I think I'll probably be fine. Yeah, I mean, they've had all their players contributing. Um, Do you think the recruitment of Andrew Bogut will have a significant impact you know as yeah. obviously a big man off the bench uh yeah, formerly, with, formerly do well with cleveland in playoffs i think defensively i mean who who they like one of their biggest threats you, you could definitely say is the nuggets and uh, could andrew bogus stop Jokic? maybe maybe not stop him he, he he might be able to slow him down and they won't really need bogus to go off on the offensive end so uh, I don't know if you've seen the splits with DeMarcus on the floor for the Warriors, but they've been quite horribly negative splits. They, the Warriors have tended to have a much higher plus-minus rating with DeMarcus off the floor. So maybe, oh, really? So why, yeah. what, what's that been put down to? Um, definitely definitely his, his defense before wasn't lackluster. It was maybe average, but since the injury, it's it's... He's now almost like incapable of guarding like a good guard on the outside, like uh, outside the paint. But not now, even in the paint, he hasn't got that same explosiveness as well. So, yeah, he's a bit of a liability really on defense. That, that's the main thing I'd say. No, that's uh, that's fair and that's a good point. And um, just going back to why we're not discussing I, discussing the Warriors all that much, I guess. You know, they sit top of the Western Conference. They've got a 52-24 and 24 record. But what they haven't got is the famous 73-9. and nine. And I think once you set that standard, you never really, you're, you're never really going to turn back, even if, they are, even if they do sit top. 
people have been paying more attention to OKC for God's sake, and they sit in yeah. eighth place. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's just I guess it's just who's the most exciting team at the time. And even the Warrior, even though the Warriors play fantastic basketball, it kind of gets tiresome to see the same team winning over and over. Well, um, I guess yeah. I mean, I guess we're gonna take the same route as the the mainstream and swiftly forget about the Warriors. Um, well, should we should we mention the the little toys that came out of the pan against a certain Minnesota team. Um, oh, I guess, well, I guess we did start with that, and so it's definitely worth mentioning. Um, it was, I think this was made sweeter for, I mean, I don't hate the Warriors personally, but I know a lot of um, salty, salty fans who've lost them in the past were mm, extremely mm. happy with the fact that, well, it was just, of as, of, as of one hour ago, Green, Curry, and Durant were fired for criticizing officials. Were you surprised that they didn't get that Curry especially didn't get a didn't get teed up straight away. I mean, he, he oh. nailed that three and then he taunted that ref. I mean, that's any other player in the oh, league. Taunting is an understatement. He took away that referee's manhood. Whatever manhood he may have had before that moment, it was stripped away from him. I, this team, they're turning more and more deverish as well by the second. I, I don't know, maybe like Durant's having this influence on them, but uh, it's start, it's starting to get harder and harder to, you know, for, for any of those fans who do like this team. It's their attitude. I I don't know. It's it's kind of like they're sneering over their noses at everyone else. I just I didn't like it at all. And even though those calls are very much questionable, I I think you probably agree, agree with me in saying that, especially like the KD three pointer. I have no idea how that wasn't in the shooting motion. I know he intended to foul him before, but that's not how it worked out. KD outsmarted him. As soon as he laid his hands on him, he was he was up. So I mean, even if so, and you know, I think the calls have been debated to death. I think the point you made there were about sneering. I think that's right that they have become a very entitled team. And yeah, we know we all know they're the best. The league, all the teams in the league know they're the best, and so do the refs. And so mm. we, we, you know, the 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 refs do favour the bigger teams, and I think when you get a situation like that, you know, they're playing the Timberwolves, who are, you know, almost become a lottery team now, and mm-hmm. decisions go against you. I think, you know, as you said at the start, just throw the toys out of the pram, and I think, well, it's a good it's a good wake-up call for them. Of course, they did come out then and smash Charlotte by 47 points. Yeah, later, yeah. So it didn't affect them too much. Yeah. But, um, yeah, just some, maybe just some cracks appearing in the mental armor of the Warriors there. We've just mentioned college. Let's talk about March Madness. It's been mm. a, very, a very interesting result happened on Saturday. In fact, mm. in fact, on Sunday, Duke actually ended up winning on Saturday. They beat out of Virginia Tech. And of course, Zion Williamson was going to just announce he might declare. I think he's going to declare. I mean, I think teams like the Knicks and... Suns will be very disappointed if he doesn't this year. <laughs> but his team actually ended up losing out to Michigan State. And I was very impressed because, of course, Duke not only have Zion, but they have R.J. Barrett, who's predicted to go second or third. He's very similar type of player to Wiggins. Yeah, probably Canadian third well. at this point. Um, but I've, I've, been, I've been very impressed with, actually, with this draft class, draft class because I don't think anything will surpass the 2018 draft class for a while. I think we've seen some absolute gems come out of that. But I yeah, think the likes sure. of I think Zion, I think I don't want to get too much into this, but a quick prediction: 
what kind of player would you say is Zion's ceiling at the moment? If you could pick out, if you could pick out a player, doesn't need uh, that plays maybe similar similarly to him. I am really, really disappointed that you asked me that question because I think that's the one avenue of discussion just that I wouldn't want to take my good friend Zion down. Um, just making these player comparisons. Firstly, he doesn't really compare to anyone. Um, you could potentially say like, you, you could potentially say maybe like a you know a more athletic Charles Barkley, but even then Charles Barkley was a better passer. But he just I just I want to keep it at the stage where I just say you know he's he's his own player and he's pretty unique. It's I'm I'm really interested to see where he's going to fit in. But to people doubting and saying oh because we haven't really seen a player of his mould and his type, and is he going to work in today's modern NBA? I'd, I'd say just because he doesn't potentially have that prototype like RJ Barrett does, I don't think that's going to particularly hold him back. I don't know. What, what's your opinion on that, Kuhn? I was actually... I tuned into a couple of Duke games just to see what the fuss was about, and <laughs> I have to say... About? Who is this? Who is this Zion? Who is this? Who is this uh, fraud? You say because everyone was going about. Everyone was going about on about the likes of. Um, yeah, I can't even remember who they were going on about. Yarmoran. Yarmoran is no, but I mean oh, last year, and then you know the players who ended oh, up. Oh no, last year definitely they were Markel Fultz getting hyped. Yeah, but I mean not, sorry, not, yeah, not but, anywhere near to uh, Zion's level though. But for example, um, but I watched him and. He's just phenomenal, especially his skill on the offensive boards and his agility and strength in the post. Just, I mean, I know it's college players and who are a lot weaker generally. You know, you've got some freshmen in yeah. there, but his he's just uh, his his anticipation, his intelligence, his awareness. It's just all really he's good. Finishing around can, the rim. Yeah, he's got exactly. really nice touch around the rim. Like maybe they don't talk about that enough. It's not just about the dunking. I mean, you got to remember he's um six seven two eighty. Five. That's very similar to LeBron. He's not a similar player to LeBron. I think, no, no, no. He's not six seven. Physically, he's definitely shorter. He's definitely shorter than that. Six seven two eight five. No, he's not. Does that say on Google? Yes. Oh uh, no, 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 no. I uh, see. I've measured him myself. Um, okay, no, when you met him, just no. If you look at uh, purely from the eye test, there's no, no chance he's six seven. Maybe. Well, even if I not, he's grabbing those offensive boards like he is Charles Barkley. Yeah, but then in college, right? Like we'll see if that carries over into the NBA. Of course, because the strength, I, the strength changes there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it will to an extent, but not maybe to this like completely dominant level. No, true. Uh, one of the... Uh, I, yeah, go on. No, sorry. One other player I did want to highlight as well whose draft stock has significantly increased is Kobe White. Mm. I'm not sure if you've seen any of him, the UN, UNC player. Um, He reminds me a lot of Darren Fox. I saw him early today, just afro. That, that's what I saw. Just a lot of hair. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's very, you can, you can, I mean, he's very distinct on, distinctive on the court. And um, not only for that, but his style of play, it's, it's, it's rapid. It's the only way I can describe it. He just, <laughs> he drives with so much purpose. He can, you know, pass out of the kick, you know, he can uh, drive and kick. He can finish at the rim. He can shoot the tray himself. Um, I think he's one who's got it all, and I think um, recently his before before the March Madness his was predicted to go around fifteen sixteen, and that's been increased to eight, and rightly so. Eight. And I mm. think any team that needs a point guard, maybe the Suns, maybe the Suns can get him. I think 
I mean, him and Booker as a backcourt would just be. That's going to be that's well, going to be something actually, to view next season. That's that's quite bold because I don't know if you've seen anything of Yar Morant, but um, he seems to be the way people are going. Yeah, I mean Yar Morant, but I'm, I'm talking about underrated, underrated players. Um, well, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't say the Suns should take him, but I 100% agree with you. I've actually seen him even higher than eight. I think I saw in the big board, I saw him at five uh, quite recently. Um, yeah, I, from the three as well, his stroke is looking really nice. I, I don't know what his percentage is, just from his highlights. Um, just look, it looks to be very consistent uh, mechanistically. But, um, yeah, I, I think... Uh, Going back to Zion, um, just had a funny thought. Um, I think it'd be quite a fun exercise if we if we lined up LeBron, Harden, and Zion, and if we got to got them to squat maybe like 200, 250 pounds in like progressively smaller and smaller shorts, and the first one to actually rip the shorts wins in the uh, the, in the inaugural thick off. Um, I, I don't know. What do you think of that idea? I think that would make fantastic viewing. I, I think so too. I think it'd be a pleasure for the senses. Exactly. Um, I just want to also give one last shout out to actually a British player who's been representing in the um, in March Madness. Um, he did this last year as well for uh, the Oregon, but Cavell Bigby Williams um, has been. Uh, representing for LSU, uh, six foot eleven, right. six foot eleven. Um, he's got he's a he's a London lad, uh, formerly Oregon now at LSU. Um, he's yet to declare. I don't, I'm not sure if his draft stuff is that high, but I think out of anyone, and we've talked about a, you know a lack of British players in the NBA, especially compared to the likes of the French, Spanish, even the even the Eastern Europeans now in the NBA. Yeah, and so yeah. he 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 might be the next. We've only really got Luol Deng and Oji Ananubi in there right now. And Luol Deng, although he had a mid-season resurgence, is kind of his his stock has fallen again. So mm. um, I guess we we didn't see he, he played he he played well. He improved in LSU. He was one of their main players this year. He's a senior this year. Senior this year. Okay, that's what I was gonna ask. Okay. Yeah. So. I mean, he might he might declare, might not. He might play another year in college, which might be fine for him, especially with. How, how would he defense. play another year as a senior? Surely um, he'd be graduating at this point. Yeah, well, he might. I mean, you don't have to declare senior, generally. Maybe, maybe he'll maybe he'll go to Europe. You never know. Yeah, yeah, Europe. Or uh, he could, um, if he's lucky enough to go to that, you know, undrafted G League route. Um, I think maybe that's the. Well, it could be the best option for him to actually one day make it to the NBA. Um, yeah, Fred Van Vliet you know, did it. Yeah, exactly. Why um, not? Maybe Why maybe not? go to China and got school fifty points a game for five years and then yeah, two K nineteen get a contract for yeah, exactly. So well, all we know is he's not getting any younger, but he's six eleven, um, two two thirty. He's but those uh, the important statistics. Former Lewis eleven two thirty. Well, Lewisham. He's yeah, nice. former Lewisham player. Representing nice. South London, mate. This is it. Absolutely. Well, that's the last shout I want to give. Uh Brow, anything anything to add? Uh, no mate, just uh, a little bit chilly and uh Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a bit cold outside. I'm having to record this in the in the wilderness, so 
Brilliant. You will identify with our Canadian Canadian fan base then. Absolutely. absolutely. Thank thank you once again for appearing on Balling in the Six. We'll be back right next week after the Raptors have another few meaningless regular season games. We'll see you playoff time. Oh, yeah.